The yeshivas are fighting back. They have filed a lawsuit against the New York State Education Department asking the courts to strike down the crushing equivalency restrictions that are being imposed upon yeshivas. And the question is, do they stand a chance? Thank you for joining us. My name is Yaakov M. Remember to check out my show on the VIN News Podcast Network. All right, let's break down this lawsuit, which is being led by Avi Shik. There are essentially three arguments being made by the yeshivas. Argument number one, discrimination. These regulations violate yeshivas' First Amendment rights. Argument two, the state does not have the authority to force yeshivas to comply. The state cannot just invade any private institution and force them to change its rules and change its curriculum. Here there's a little bit more leverage because they have jurisdiction over education and they give funding to yeshivas, but they are still very restricted in what they can force yeshivas to comply with. Argument number three is a technical one claiming that the state violated SAPA, the State Administrative Procedures Act, which is the law that requires government agencies to use a specific procedures when they make changes to existing guidelines. All right, let's dive into the details. Uh, Which of these arguments has a shot? Number one, discrimination. There is no question that the state is targeting Jews with these restrictions. Only yeshivas are impacted by these rules. No other schools, no other private schools. The previous attempts encompassed all private schools, but now the state has made all sorts of exemptions, like regents and accreditation, to exclude every private school other than yeshivas. Is that anti-Semitism? Perhaps, but the motive is clear. They want to shut down yeshivas or dramatically mutilate the currently Mude Kaidish curriculum, and that is religious discrimination. Now, they're going to claim we're not targeting Jews. We're targeting all schools that do not meet a certain level of standards, and yeshivas happen to be the only schools that fit that description. That argument is highly flawed. Yeshivas are using their religious freedom, exercising their religious freedom to focus on a Talmudic-based education. Other private schools are able to meet certain standards because they do not adhere to strict religious guidelines. By definition, the state is violating the yeshiva's First Amendment rights to teach a curriculum that centers around Lemude Kaidish. Any decent judge uh, will find the state to be violating the First Amendment, violating the Constitution, and I believe that the current Supreme Court, if it gets there, they will undoubtedly rule against the state. Here's an excerpt from the lawsuit, quote, Petitioners have a constitutional right to freely exercise religious beliefs and practices by providing children with an education that inculcates religious beliefs and values by requiring the sacrifice of religious autonomy and substantially interfering with the religious development of Jewish children in yeshivas. These regulations violate petitioners' constitutionally protected rights to the free exercise of religion. They're also claiming that it violates free speech and in a related argument, They're saying the restrictions treat yeshivas unfairly uh, because they have stricter guidelines than any other school. Here's another excerpt, quote, the regulations subject yeshivas to a review process with fewer protections and more perilous consequences than other schools, end quote. They also claim that it violates the due process clause by not allowing parents to control their children's education. Now, the next argument, also very strong, the state has no right to force yeshivas to meet whatever standards they arbitrarily decide. Here's the background. The new rules give an LSA, a local school authority, the sole right to walk into a yeshiva and decide that that yeshiva does not comply. It means rather than create specific rules and the yeshiva can then comply with those rules, every yeshiva is basically guilty until proven innocent. There is no way to comply because it all depends on the whim of whichever inspector happens to walk into the school 
imagine running a business and they can just shut you down anytime they feel like it. I mean, that's like the KGB in Soviet Russia. It's arbitrary. There are no objective guidelines to follow. That is massive government overreach. And any reasonable judge will strike down these restrictions based on the claim that the state does not have the authority. Now, the third claim by yeshivas is that the state did not follow the correct procedure. Uh, It's called SAPA, the State Administrative Procedures Act. They have to give the public a chance to review and comment. Now, they did that. The state gave the public a chance to review and comment, and they got over 300,000 comments, 300,000 almost all objecting to these bogus restrictions. Okay, they responded, the state, to about 10 of those comments, 10 out of 300,000 comments. You do the math. They clearly ignored the comments, dismissed the comments. This was a technicality. It was a nuisance. And they completely ignored ignored the overwhelming negative response. Here's another excerpt, quote, the notice and comment period for the new regulations was a sham. The state education department did not and never intended to consider the concerns expressed and the alternatives proposed in the comments. The new regulations, therefore, did not comply with SAPA, the State Administration Procedures Act, and should be declared null and void. Look, this is an interesting argument. I don't think it's as strong as the other two, and here's why, because the state is going to say, look, we allowed comments to be submitted. We considered those comments, but we're not mandated to follow public wishes. We're not mandated to follow public opinion. Now, obviously, does it make any sense? No, the whole point is that if you see the 300,000 people who are going to be impacted by this rule hate the rule, then you should cancel the rule. So that's why the process was a sham. I get it. But SAPA does not technically say that you need to listen to and follow the comments. So if the judge is reasonable, he's going to say, look, the point of SAPA is that you're not supposed to make the rule if nobody likes the rule other than the New York Times and Yafit. But I can envision a judge potentially saying, look, they allowed the comments. You can't expect them to reply to all 300,000 comments. So they technically did not violate SAPA. Another interesting thing, one argument was not made. They did not say the Limude Kaidesh is equivalent, is equivalent to the secular standards, even though it's not technically the same subject, but it is equivalent. That does not appear to be one of the claims made in the lawsuit. So again, here's your breakdown. Three arguments, two very strong, religious discrimination, massive government overreach, and a third argument that the state violated the SAPRA process. Now, obviously, when you get into the weeds, there are a lot more details, but these are the three most fundamental claims. And I believe that any normal, reasonable judge, other than a radical leftist, will strike down these vicious restrictions. I also believe the Supreme Court will accept this case because it's a very, very fundamental religious rights case. And it is a no-brainer that the conservative Supreme Court will rule in favor of the yeshivas, but we will have to wait and see. Thank you for joining us. Remember to check out the VIN News Podcast for all the latest news and information in the Jewish world. My name is Yaakov M., and we will see you next time.